I'm Kendra Tombolato, here with Mei Zhang, and this is the China Travel Podcast by Wild China Travel. Each week, we'll be heading to a new place in China to share our top local tips and tricks, highlighting our favorite food, hotels, and experiences, as well as sharing resources. We'll be recording these episodes live on Clubhouse every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And after the podcast portion, we'll open up for live Q&A and story sharing. So if you'd like to join live, please follow May at Zhang Meijie or me at Ketan Bolado. If you're joining and catching up on past episodes, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. And lastly, if you're interested in traveling China with us or attending any of our other virtual events, please visit our website at wildchina.com. Now for the main event. For this episode, we are heading to Dali in Yunnan province, the hometown of Wild China founder Mei Zhang. So let's start uh, the main event, uh, heading to your hometown of Dali in Yunnan province. So maybe you can uh, start off by getting us oriented on what exactly Dali is, uh, what it's like, and where it's located in China. Right. Um, I hope some of our friends have heard of Dali uh, or have visited. To me, it's probably one of the most beautiful places in China, but um, there are many, many beautiful places in China. It's just, to me, it's a home. Um, Dali, the, the specific place I'm talking about is in Yunnan province. There's also a village in Guizhou called Dali. So in English, it all spells the same, D-A-L-I. And this Dali old town I'm talking about is 400 kilometers to the west of Kunming. It's on the way from Kunming towards Myanmar border. So it's on the old, what we've heard, uh, the ancient, uh, the old Burma road during World War II. Um, Dali is famous because it was once a Dali kingdom. It was the capital of the Dali kingdom, which was uh, in uh, Tang Dynasty. And um, it used the 400 kilometers separated Dali from Kunming used to take two days on a bus. But right now there is a high speed rail connecting Kunming to Dali and you can get there in two hours. Now, why is it important? Dali is one, aside from being the ancient capital of Dali Kingdom, it was also one of the most important uh, trading depot, sort of like the hub on the ancient tea and horse caravan road. Now, this concept of tea and horse caravan road is a uh, historical path that connected tropical southern Yunnan all the way up onto Tibetan plateau. And traders used to carry um, on horsebacks discs of tea, or we can call them tea cakes, um, produced in Xishuangbanna area or Puar area in the south, and all the way to Tibet to, to supply for the yak butter tea, right? And uh, around Dali region, there are also a lot of old um, salt mines. So salt uh, also produced in the region, once again, packed into solid disks and carried on horsebacks into Tibet. And these road, the ancient Tian Horse Caravan Road goes through these treacherous mountain regions over high mountain passes, um, as high as probably 20,000 feet, and drops down to um, a, a 
less than a thousand feet um, in elevation. So because of this elevation, that whole region along the Tian Horse Caravan Road has amazing abundance of uh, cultures and biodiversity. It's just a beautiful place to visit. And Dali is one of the most important depot on this route. My next question is, modern day, um, Dali has become quite a popular sort of destination for people. And I think, I know you talk about when you were a kid, it wasn't that way. It was more of like a sort of more of an off the beaten path kind of destination. I mean, it's still, you can get off the beaten path around Dali, um, but sort of in the main town, it's becoming quite popular. So my question is, what is Dali's, you know, travel allure now? Why is it so interesting to people? Very good question. Yeah, growing up in Dali, I always knew it was beautiful, but uh, I was more interested in what was beyond those mountains <laughs> rather than what is within <laughs> the mountain valley that I could see. Right? Um, but let me clarify one thing. A lot of people get very confused when we talk about Dali. Are we talking about a town, a region, a culture? Um, By the way, I had a very similar confusion when I first came to the U.S. talking about Los Angeles. I was like, is Los Angeles a city or a county or a region? Um, And Dali is the same thing. So most people refer to Dali as the old town of Dali, which is only a mile in length north and south, and half a mile in width, east and west, and is actually fenced in with an ancient city wall, and not complete, part of it fell down, part of it renovated. So that's the old town of Dali. And a modern day uh, government built a, uh, there's a city called Xiaguan, which is 12 kilometers to the south of the old town. And it is much more, much bigger with uh, uh, taller buildings, and that's the seat of uh, the local government. And the locals would refer to that city as Xiaguan, but the government renamed it as Dali City, Dali Shi. And that's why it gets a little confusion, uh, confusing, right? And also the prefecture, which is uh, an administrative region that encompasses both the old town and the city of Dali um, and surrounding counties, which can be as far as two to three hours drive away or even further away. All of this larger area is also called called Dali Prefecture. So when you talk about Dali, it's geographically, it can be quite big, but most people are referring to the small old town. Now, why is Dali so attractive? Oh, what, what are people coming to Dali for, right? Most Chinese go there just because it's so beautiful, right? And to the, to the old, old town of Dali, to the right of it, to the east of it, is the beautiful Erhai Lake. And to the west of it, the Changshan Mountain rises immediately to 4,000 something um, meters in elevation, which is 12,000 feet in elevation. And the contrast of the lake and the mountain and the clouds gets trapped on top of the mountain with, you know, dazzling sunset or sunrise just get, makes the place um, cynically stunning. Um, and also because of its elevation and latitude is high up, 
but very southern in latitude. It gives the region a very moderate climate. And right now, if you go there, it's, it's sort of like Berkeley. All the camellia flowers, cherry blossoms, magnolias, everything was, is blooming. It's absolutely beautiful. And the, the blooms continue throughout the year. In May, June, there will be rhododendrons. Um, it, it's just green and beautiful year round. And that obviously uh, produces uh, wonderful sort of produce, fresh vegetable, mushroom, everything's available year round as well. Uh, so for anyone from the desert region of China, from Northern China, this is, this is paradise. It's a beautiful place. Um, but aside from being really pretty, I think to me, there are two more things that's very interesting. Culturally speaking, I love the bi-local, bon-religious sort of uh, lifestyle and agrarian culture. Bon is a local religion that local bi people uh, follow, right? They have these little temples dotted away here and there. And it's, they visit these temples all the time for local ceremonies, for weddings, funerals, gatherings, all sorts of things, or first day of the month, 15th day of the month. It's partially Buddhist, partially Taoist, um, partially Tibetan um, Buddhism, actually. And um, if, if you go around Dali, incense would be burning, offerings would be made, and the local Bai people have such a diligent lifestyle, particularly the ladies, they'd be cultivating the fields at 6 a.m. And, um, you know, once you leave Dali Old Town, you will see the farm fields outside of the Old Town are like embroideries. They are impeccable. So that's one bi-culture, agrarian culture that I find very attractive. But to really understand, you have to get close to people, right? And second, uh, so that's, that's, to me, even more attractive than the scenery. And then even more interestingly is Dali has recently become a bit of a hub for domestic immigrant culture. What do I mean by that? There's a whole new uh, group of city dwellers moving to Dali from Beijing, Xi, um, Guang, Guangzhou, Shenzhen, Shanghai, and they moved to Dali in pursuit of a slower lifestyle. Right? They are tired of the restless uh, speed in the big cities. And once they've had kids, they move there. So they are, are artists, writers, um, dancers, photographers, and they call themselves Xin Dali Ren, the new Dali people. And they bring a, a very vibrant, uh, cosmopolitan almost, um, culture to Dali. And that commingles with the local culture, makes Dali interesting. So you'll find a very authentic Xizhou Baba, which is the Dali pancake uh, stand right next to this um, really nice bakery 88 that gives you the terrific shot of espresso or latte. Um, that, that's what makes Dali really attractive, I think. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. The sort of mix of, of new and old um, and different cultures in China. 
Um, cool. So I guess now that we have an overview of you know why to visit Dali and the sort of general layout, uh, I think the main question that people ask when they're looking to travel somewhere, at least me, is where to stay. It's always like trying to pick a good spot and a good location uh, to be based for your your stay there. So you know, what are your top hotels? Um, what are your recommendations for where to stay in Dali? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, there are many many beautiful places to stay uh, for a while there. Uh, tons of small B&Bs, bed and breakfasts, along uh, the lake of Arhai. But a few years ago, I think the government, with an effort to try to clean up the lake, um, bulldozed a lot of those B&Bs. Very sad. Um, so now you have to back up towards the mountain a little bit. But it doesn't take away the beauty. I'll, I'll start with telling you what not, where not to stay. I probably would not stay at the first one that's going to pop up on the search engine, which is Dali Hilton Hotel. It's just this enormous, humongous sort of blocky building that is neither in Dali Hotel nor in Dali City, neither by the mountain nor in by the lake. It's sort of in the middle of nowhere and it's inconvenient. The rooms are fine. Maybe Hilton Hotels are Hilton Hotels worldwide. I just don't find it um, very um, attractive or gives me a sense of where I am. Uh, you can wake up there and find yourself in Xi'an sort of feeling or find yourself in New Jersey. Um, so to me, that's that's no point to stay there. Um, two of my favorite places. One is Linden Center. Brian Linden and his wife, Jeannie, a wonderful American couple uh, who've stayed in Dali for years and years. And their center is in Xizhou Village. And they built, further built a couple of other additions to that old house. Um, not fancy lodging at all. Uh, compared to nowadays, these designy places in China, they are not fancy. But they do have a sense of connection with the village and the villagers, right? So when you walk out of the hotel, uh, you're immediately next to the farmers who are, you know, planting their spring onion or cilantro. And I like that. And and they're very friendly. Um, they will give you directions to go get your experience or whatever. The other place that I liked, which is the opposite of Linden Center. By the way, Linden Center is probably the best place to stay if you only speak English, right? Uh, if you speak Chinese, you have more choices. Uh, the, in the in Dali Old Town, there's a little place called Sun Yata. Uh, uh, this is a brand uh, a uh, local Chinese entrepreneur, not lo- not Yunnan, a Chinese entrepreneur was trying to build in various tourist destinations. Uh, there's one in Dali, there's one in Shaxi, and there's one in Meili. Also, I think there's one in Chongqing, and maybe more popping up. Um, they're pretty fast. I like the one in Dali and the one in Shaxi village. Shaxi village is another village uh, of Dali prefecture, which... I will talk about it in a second. I think it's highly worth visit as well. But do note, I do not like the Jixiashan in Meili, which is in the Tibetan area and further northwest. Uh, that one is stunning visually. And so if you find it on Instagram or anything that's photography related, it's absolutely stunning, but the service is absolutely horrible. <laughs> 
I think. Uh, but Dali and, and Shashi are very friendly. The ladies would help you with their luggage and they're just local, just charming, smiling all the time. I like that. Um, then Shashi is about an hour and a half's drive outside of Dali Old Town and smaller village. Uh, I absolutely re- would recommend you go there and stay two, three days and just walk around in the village. And nearby there's Jianchuan um, ancient grottoes. It's uh, it documented uh, Dali Kingdom history in, in statue in grottoes carved into the mountain from a thousand years ago. And that is just worth the hours you go and hang out and stay at Sunyata Shashi there. All right. Now, there's one little place that is not completely not in the same league of these um, designy places. Uh, it's called Nuodeng Yang, a herd of goat. Nuodeng, some of you, if you have watched A Bite of China, may know that's another village in Dali Prefecture. It's about three hours drive, though, uh, from Dali Old Town. And it's known for uh, ham production, not not factory production, but home produ- artisan of home production. It's it's quite charming. And this a herd of goat is the name of a small restaurant and uh, B and B run by Mr. Zhang Jiahong. I chanced upon it um, a few years ago, and he was just such a warm, hospitable, entrepreneurial, fun. Uh, host. The rooms are so simple. Sometimes if you go in wintertime, it's freezing cold. So you have to have a hot water bottle uh, hugged close to you to go to bed. But it's in this little courtyard right by the rice paddy fields. And because of the hospitality and the location, it really makes up for the lack of um, hardware comfort. I would highly recommend that one too. I hope that helps. Or have I confused you (laughs) with all the different locations? No, I think that's perfect. I think, um, yeah, it's awesome to hear about the sort of smaller villages outside of the main Dali area to explore. So that's perfect. Um, Cool. So speaking of ham, um, some of you may not know, but May is also an author. Um, She has a book called Travels Through Dali with a Leg of Ham. So she is definitely the local food expert. So we're going to appeal to you here for your top food, restaurant, or just general culinary experiences in Yunnan. Um, And I guess more precisely in in Dali. So what do you have for us? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Just as you were speaking, a funny anecdote was yesterday. Yesterday, I was invited to speak on CGTN, the Chinese global TV network. And the host was so kind. And he said, May is the author of a book, Travels Through Dali with a Leg of Lamb, as, as introduction. And I immediately <laughs> popped up there and I said, correction, not lamb. We don't eat lamb. We eat ham. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I felt bad. I, w- I felt I was so rude. Um, but, but that is true. In Dali region, we don't eat a whole lot of lamb, but we eat a lot of ham. And you'll find this intriguing because Dali is similar to Corsica, similar to mountains of Spain, Italy, and Switzerland, and similar to Tennessee and Virginia in America in one way. 
that we all cure meat and preserve meat um, for a longer period of time because of the mountains. In fact, uh, I've met chefs from the Appalachian Mountains. They told me their curing process are very similar uh, to what we do in Yunnan. Uh, that's something if you want to uh, observe the process of curing and sort of the annual rituals of what people go through to to keep meat products for the year going December. Uh, a lot of sadly, a lot of slaughtering happens, but in the villages, it, this is a big event. So it gives you a terrific opportunity to see how the village villagers work with each other. I think they they all rely on the community support in slaughtering animals, building houses, or hosting weddings and funerals. And these traditions have not changed. And food is a terrific path to guide you into the local communities. So a, a journey in December to the villages would give you that. Now, um, moving along the season, in spring, Yunnan, particularly Dali region, we eat all sorts of wild flowers or tender green tips from uh, plants. We would eat pear blossom, rhododendron, all those big white um, petals from rhododendron are cooked which is very sad to me. They're so beautiful, but once they get cooked into this soup, they look mushy, um, kind of sad. And um, But all the spring flowers, dandelions, um, new shoots of bamboo, everything that's grown in the spring in Dali, they harvest them, forage them, and eat them. And that's what I would do if I were going to Dali now. A little bit later, more towards the summer, mushroom. You are in luck if you go there anytime between June and end of September. The wild mushroom scene in the whole province of Yunnan, Dali in particular, is just booming. And there's Nyoganjun, Gambajun, uh, so chanterelles, uh, pochinis, uh, truffles, all of these uh, prized uh, mushroom in Italian cooking. We have them all in Yunnan. And Gambajun is a very particular um, local variety that, that's not found anywhere else in the world, but that is very pricey. So if, if you go there, try these mushrooms. They're delicious. Uh, I do want to talk about one food item that is a bit of a surprise to most people is cheese. Yunnan, uh, Dali, historically was influenced by Mongolian culture way back in Yuan Dynasty, right? So they came, that came down through Tibetan mountains, through the Eastern Himalaya mountains, and um, followed the mountain range to Dali and stayed. So there's a particular lady outside of Shaxi, her name's uh, Shifu Mei, and I used to always visit her house, beautiful, impeccably neat and well-kept. And she would take me to milk her cow and uh, take the milk and add um, uh, add it to I, I, what is that chemical I forgot um, not not a, not a actual chemical but a home um, produced we add to the milk and boil and eventually make into a, a local cheese that's very much like a ricotta cheese and Dali people would slice that and fry it 
a little bit so it's golden on each side and sprinkle some um, pepper and citron pepper, ground pepper and some salt and it's delicious. Some people dip it in sugar. I'm less of a fan for that. And not to forget noodles, noodles. There are some incredible places for noodles in Dali. Uh, but in general, I would say go away from the tourist offerings. Uh, you can't go wrong. All the foods are for sale on display in front of the restaurant. So you can take your picking and the local host would recommend the best ways to, to, to make them. Awesome. Um, yeah, I love the cheese bit. I think, you know, being an American, that's something, you know, with American Chinese food, it's obviously it's quite different from all of the food you get in China, but just the, the, the sort of prospect of having cheese as part of a Chinese meal was so strange to me, but it's, it's really good. Um, but I just find that so shocking. And I, I find other people that I tell that to also find that surprising. So yeah. I'm glad that you touched on that. Um, cool. Okay. So last sort of final gem of knowledge I want from you before we sort of open up to uh, Q&A is what is your sort of top local tip, something that you won't find in a guidebook that you would recommend to do or to experience in Dali? My favorite thing. Anybody going to Dali, you have to do it. Morning run. If, if you're not a runner, do a morning walk. Trust me, it's worth it. Um, and morning, I mean, before sunrise, um, because what you want to do, the sunrise on, over uh, our high lake is stunning. But of course, you check the weather forecast the day before. Sometimes it's overcast, which is a bit of a um, uh, damper to your effort. Right? But if the sun is coming up and you take from I have a house in at the hotel called The One and you run from that place straight towards the lake. It's almost exactly five kilometers. So it's a 10K round trip. And you get there early in the morning. There's nobody in the streets. Dali. A lot of people tell me they find Dali kind of not so enjoyable. And my answer is it's the wrong time and wrong place. You, you need to find the right time and right place to enjoy it. And before sunrise, Dali is tranquil. The slate stone paved streets with a couple of local vendors um, stoking their stoves to get breakfast going. It is magical. It's beautiful and quiet. You run all the way to the lake and uh, just wait there and watch the sun to rise. It, it's one of the most beautiful sunrise. But there's nothing more I can say. And then you run back. And by then, the sun is um, blanketing the entire farm fields outside the old town. You get to see the ladies washing their onion and uh, someone's pulling a cart full of um, celery, etc. And it, it's, you, just, you just feel very, very close to local life. Um, and if you can't run, actually, you can bike as well. Uh, walking might take a while, but there are plenty of bikes for rent. And around the lake, um, there's a very good path you can bike along now. But just be careful. Uh, Chinese uh, bikers and vehicles um, negotiate a little bit more aggressively than in the U.S. And um, that's another thing I really love is a hike in Changshan. Be careful. Changshan has many, many paths, so you, it's very easy to get lost. Um, one of the easy way that you won't get lost is uh, take the cable car, which is a bit expensive. It's about $20. Um, yeah. 
per ride. But you could t- there are three cable cars along the Changshan Mountain. Changshan Mountain stretches north and south. But you can take the one in the very south all the way up to the middle point only. And there's a, a, a horizontal path along the Changshan Mountain. It's called Yudailu Jade Belt Path. And that's about 10 kilometers, 10 to 12 kilometers. And you can just walk along that. It gives you a stunning view of the old town, of the lake in the distance, and so close to nature. And honestly, like tourists are just a bit more lazy. About, I would say, 15 minutes outside of the subway's stop, you have nature to yourself. You have the mountain to yourself. And just hike along that all the way to the next cable car station and ride it down. That's about as easy a hike and stunning a hike that as you can have in Dali. I love that. Then there are a couple of little places just around the old town you can bike to or walk to or take a Didi. There's a Chenghuang Miao, Jiangjun Dong. Uh, those are all local temples. It's one is the 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 town god temple at the southern gate of the Dali Old Town. Jiangjun Dong is the cave of the general, which is halfway up on the mountain. Um, and there's also a sheet factory, which is, uh, in the past, it was a factory for producing beddings linen. But now it's converted into Dali's artsy district, with similar, they were trying to compete or uh, imitate the 798 in Beijing. Um, but it's it's worth a visit. You'll find the photographers, potters, um, all sorts of artisans having their studios there. It, it's quite interesting to just take a look. And there's a bookstore, there's a coffee shop, you can rest. So those are my must-do tips. I hope that's helpful. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you, May. Wild China Travel presents the China Travel Podcast, hosted by me, Kendra Tombolato, and Wild China founder, Mei Zhang. In this series, we'll be traveling to a different place in China each week to share our local tips and expert travel advice. To catch our weekly podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.